Well, it's my, uh, my privilege to, uh, to be here this morning. Uh, <clears throat> in case uh, some of you haven't noticed, uh, I am very good looking. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, the reason I have to tell people is out of my insecurity <laughs> that they wouldn't notice. <laughs> When I came to uh, Norton uh, 43 years ago, the sign out front said the First Brethren Church of Barberton. Um, we were in Norton, I thought, why in the world is this the First Brethren Church of Barberton? And we, we got the name changed. But actually, uh, the roots of... Uh, the Brethren Church began just about a mile and a half from here in Barberton. Uh, so it's uh, very wonderful that we have a Barberton, Barberton campus. <clears throat> I got a phone call from a friend of mine a week or so ago. He's uh, older than me. He's been a missionary in France. I always love it when he calls. There just seems like that uh, the conversation ends up being encouraging to me. And as we talked, uh, he told me about doing uh, a devotion with some senior saints. And he said, I called it, Staying Alive Until I Die. I like that, don't you? Staying alive until I die. I fear many of us are walking dead people. There are many people in our world in Barberton that have already died. They're only existing. Of course, that makes sense because in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. There's something very deadening about sin. You see, what happens is it causes us to lose perspective on life. It causes us to lose any sense of purpose. Hopelessness sets in and we end up just existing rather than staying alive. I, I see this. I experience this with people. I have a friend of mine that I care for. He probably lives less than a half mile from this building. He's a dead man walking. He's 20 years younger than me. I'll die probably before I do. He's on oxygen. 
Oh my. He's not unusual. You see, we need to understand that life is a miracle. Yep. Have you ever held a baby? Maybe your own baby in your arms and it says, oh, what a little miracle. <laughs> Look at this baby. Look at her little fingers. <laughs> Look at her little toes. Look at those eyes. Isn't she beautiful? She's a miracle. I don't think any of us will argue with that. In fact, if, if you've been watching much news recently, they're making a big deal about a giraffe that's going to have a baby. <laughs> yeah, every day, you know, they're saying we, we think maybe it's today. Yeah. Life is a miracle. Absolutely. Spiritual life is a greater miracle than physical life. I heard that recently. It hit me. Spiritual life is a greater miracle than physical life. Because there's a transformation that takes place inside. I become a new creature. In fact, Jesus explaining it to Nicodemus in John 3.3, 3, he says, you must be born again. He says, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, God loved us enough to find a way to give us life. Eternal life. Eternal life through his son. Um, the Apostle John, in this wonderful book of First John, he begins it, and it seems to me that <clears throat> he's being very personal about his own experience. Here's the first four verses. What was from the beginning? What we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes and beheld uh, with our, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifest, and we be, have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. And we have seen and heard, and we proclaim to you also that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that your joy may be made complete. The Apostle John is talking about his own experience. He said, listen, I heard Jesus. I heard him with my own ears. I saw Jesus. I was at the cross. I was at the empty tomb. I touched Jesus. Don't tell me I didn't experience this, John's saying. I'm a witness. It's real. 
When we say, he's alive, he's alive, yes, he is alive. John says, I know it. And I want you to know it. And I want you to experience it. And so we come to the three verses that I want to emphasize this morning. In the fifth chapter of 1 John. Verse 11 through 13. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. So how do we stay alive until we die? How do we do that? Here's the first thing I want you to get a hold of. We grab life by the throat. We grab life by the throat. We don't just let it pass by. We grab it by the throat. I got this thought when I heard a story about Beethoven, the great composer of the 18th century. He had a difficult life. Beethoven's father was a drunk. His mother died when he was just a teenager. At the age of 30, he was going deaf. There was no hearing aids in the early 1800s. So somebody approached Beethoven and they said, what are you going to do? And he made this statement, I'm going to grab life by the throat. And he did that. Beethoven wrote his greatest music after he was totally deaf. Ooh. I like the spirit of that. You see, we have eternal life if you've accepted Jesus. I want to grab it by the throat. Okay, how do we do that? How do we do that? First of all, we need to grab the truth of the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus. He is the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection. I had this experience when I was a very young, inexperienced pastor. I was in my first summer of ministry, 1963. And I stopped at a place to buy some sweet corn to take home so uh, Julie and I could uh, enjoy fresh sweet corn. And somehow the lady got asking me questions and she was pretty forceful about things. And after a while she found out that I was a young pastor and she says, 
What is the gospel? That's kind of the way she asked it to me. You know, just, you know, okay. So I, I was fumbling around trying to tell her what the gospel was. And she said to me, it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Don't you ever forget it. I've never forgotten it. And she was right. She was right. I, I need to get a hold of the gospel. You know, what has been done for me, I need to grab the truth of the gospel. And I, I need to <laughs> grab it by the throat. You see, the gospel is complete. Jesus died on that cross and said it is finished. I remember being in Jerusalem. I remember they, them pointing out there, there's where the cross stood. I was still a young ignorant guy and I tried to climb up to where that cross was to try to see things the way Jesus saw when he was on the cross. I'll never forget it. They yelled at me because I was in a Muslim cemetery. But he died on that cross. And on that cross, before he died, he said, it is finished. Oh, the gospel was complete. He died. He was buried. And he rose again. He gave to me life. Oh, how amazing that is. He gave it... Uh, as a gift. So I need to grab the grace of God. Not just grab the truth of the gospel, but I need to grab the grace of God. Someone has made an acrostic and said it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace can never be earned or deserved. Only received. John, in this book of John, says he came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of the living God. I've received him. <laughs> Recently at the Norton campus, uh, we had Brian Pilowski Cleveland Clinic. I got a text from Pastor Dan. He said, uh, Brian Pulaski had a heart transplant in 2016, and he's going to have a double lung transplant in 2017. He had had a spiritual heart transplant 
in 2016. And guess what? As I sat with him right before he went into surgery for the double lung transplant, it was very evident that he had had a heart transplant in 2016 because he was alive and didn't have to fear whether he lived or died with a double lung transplant. It was neat to sit there with him and to sense his security. Let me say, keep tightening your grip don't just get a hold of the truth of the gospel. Don't just grab the grace of God. But keep tightening your grip. I think we need to keep tightening around our throat. And keep getting a hold of the fact. Of the wonder of what we have. It's so easy to forget what God has done. To forget the transformation that he's given us. The gift that he's given us. You see, we need to keep developing our trust. I had a little gal that sat up here with me between services. And as, as, as we talked, you know, how, how do I get a hold of things? We need to keep trusting. We need to keep running as hard and as fast as we can toward Jesus. And embracing what he's given us. I want to trust him more every day. I've never made a mistake when I've trusted Jesus. Not only do I want to keep developing my trust and get a grip on that, but keep developing my thankfulness. I heard about Corey Tinboom again this week. They were talking about her being in Ravensbrook, the death camp, along with her sister. Her sister said to her, we need to thank God for the lice that's in our ticks that we sleep on. Because since we have lice in our barracks, You know, the guards won't come in there. And we get to have Bible study. And lives are being changed for Jesus. Oh, my. Oh, God, give me a thankfulness like that. May I keep getting a grip on trusting Jesus and on being thankful for what Jesus uh, has done. It's uh, so important that we grab life by the throat.
then I, I, I want to say it's so important that we believe and receive the gift that has been given. Let me go back to those verses again. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have been written to you who believe in the name of the Son. I have thought about this often. You see, what I believe really controls my life. What you believe controls your life. If you believe that you are trash, that controls your life. If you believe that you're a mistake, that controls your life. If you believe that you're a shame to God, that controls your life. You can choose to believe that way. Or you can choose to believe that you're forgiven. You can choose to believe that you are loved. You can choose to believe that you have a future and God is using you. You see, what I believe is going to equal the emotion or the feelings that I feel. You know the reason that people are on drugs and are alcoholics and that drown themselves in things? Because they hate what they feel that comes out of what they believe. Our emotion equals our behavior. I behave based on what I believe. That's true. You behave on the basis of what you believe. I want to stay alive until I die. You know what I believe? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I've received the gift of eternal life. Oh my. That changes everything. Because I believe that, because I've received the wonderful truth of that, it changes my behavior. I want to behave on the basis of what I believe. You see, I need to believe that what I have, my life, my spiritual life, is a gift from God. I'm loved by God. I bent over a lady, I think she was 92, last evening. 
She's dying with heart failure. Had a hard time getting her awake. And I said to her, Jesus loves you. And then I said, do you remember singing the little song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so? And she smiled. Oh, I, I want people to hear that. I want people to believe that. It's a gift from God. I am loved by God. It's a gift not only from God, but it's a gift of eternal life. Life is a gift. It's been given to me. It, it, it's eternal life. By the way, when did my eternal life begin? It's already begun. The moment that I believed, the Son of God took up residency in my life. I'm a vehicle that carries him around every place I go. Oh my. He's alive. He's alive in me. Oh my. I have eternal life. I don't have to wait till I die for eternal life to begin. It's already begun. Ooh. I need to get a hold of that. I need to believe that. It's a gift that is in the Son. Having Jesus is the gift of life. He is life. <laughs> I've already quoted it. I'm come that you might have life. <laughs> and by the way, I want you to have it more abundantly. <laughs> I, I, I want you to enjoy life to its fullest. Don't go around with your head down. Put your head up and say, I belong to Jesus. It's a gift to base your life on. We don't base our life, or we shouldn't base our life, on the temporary things of life. 1 John 2.17 says, The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. See, it's not how much money I make. It's, it's, it's not how big a house I live in or the kind of car I drive. That's all passing away. Who cares? But I have life. <laughs> I get to live for Jesus. I've got, I've got eternal life. This week, uh, Julie and I went to visit uh, a childhood friend of hers. They estimate that they, they met the first time when they were both three years of age in the nursery. And she had asked that we come and see her because she's in the hospice. She's dying. 
only has about 10% of heart function left, and they say there's nothing they can do. And so we went there to plan her funeral because she wants me to preach her funeral. It wasn't a morbid time at all. It was a time of her talking about the songs that mean so much to her. It was a time of her talking about her her two boys and, and, and her grandkids. It's a time of her talking about the wonder of their marriage for 50 years and what God has done. It's time of her talking about when you're doing this funeral service, I'm going to be up there rejoicing with Jesus. Oh my. <laughs> She's living until she dies. She's staying alive because she understands what life is, uh, is, is all about. She's going to trade her humble home for a heavenly mansion. What a gift eternal life is. There's another thought I so want you to get a hold of. Know what you have. Know what you have. Verse 13. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. 39 times in 1 John, that word know is used. Eight times it's used in chapter 5. John doesn't say, I hope you have eternal life. He, he, He doesn't say, perhaps you have eternal life. Uh, maybe you have eternal life. My best guess is you have eternal life. No, 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 he didn't say that. He says, these things have written to you who believe. You believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know what? what? What's the word? Say it. No. That you may know that you have eternal life. You know, it's, it's so important to know um, and be secure. I was at a 90th birthday party yesterday. And one of the grandchildren has nine kids. They all sat at one table. Neat to see them. They were from 19 to 3. You know what I noticed? They were amazing. Because they were secure. It's very evident they knew who they belonged to. They belonged to a mom that loved their dad. They belonged to a dad that loved their mom. They weren't filled with anxiety. They were secure. Oh my. 
I belong to Jesus. I know who, whose I am. I want you to get that. I know whose I am. You see, God is my father. He's my daddy. I'm loved unconditionally by him. He provides for me. I've experienced that. He cares for me. I've experienced that. He gives me direction and correction. I can pray and say, My Father who art in heaven. Oh my. Because it's true. I know whose I am. I belong to God. I'm his child. Not only know who I am, but whose I am, but know who I am. Know who you are. You know something? One reason I can say I'm good looking is because I look like Jesus. That's true. I look like Jesus. I traded my sin at the cross for his righteousness. I am dressed in the righteousness of Jesus. Oh my, I look like Jesus. And God looks at me down here and says, Oh, there's my little boy. I'm so glad I made him. He looks just like my son Jesus. Because I'm dressed in his righteousness. Ooh. Yeah. I know who I am. I am God's workmanship. You could say masterpiece. He designed me. He made me just like he wanted me to be. Oh my. Hey, not only that, but Romans 6 says, I'm an instrument of righteousness. God used me as an instrument in his hands. I, I get, to, get to do things and, and God is taking my life and, and doing things with my life. Well, I know that. That's who I am. An instrument of righteousness. I know the wonder of eternal life. You see, I have purpose and meaning for living. I'm going to stay alive until I die. I already have eternal life. Why not live it up? You see, life is an adventure every day. I sit here and talk to Emily. She's an 11th grader. She wanted to come and talk to me. What a privilege. What a privilege. Perhaps God used me in her life. Ooh. 
It's an adventure. Get up in the morning. God, you're going to use me today. My. I don't have to be anxious about tomorrow. Because God's got it under control. God's in control. And guess what? I'm on a wonderful journey. And if you know Jesus, so are you. I have a story, probably one of my favorite stories. It just seems like an appropriate way to kind of wind things up. Pastor told it. I was in seminary at the time when I heard it. He was preaching for chapel. He talked about going to, this, to, his, to the beach with his little girls. My two daughters are here this morning and they were just little girls at the time. And maybe that's the reason it just so got plugged into my mind and heart. He said when they'd go to the beach, he loved to go out into the ocean. He said one of the most relaxing things he could ever do was get on the ocean when the water was right up to his chest, put his arms out and just let the water come in and lift him up with a wave and put him down and lift him up and put him down and lift him up and put him down. He said that was just so relaxing for me. Some, sometimes I'd go out there and stand there for an hour just letting the waves pick me up and put me down. He said, I was coming in from one of those times and my little girl come running up to me and says, Daddy, 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 take me out into the deep part where you were. Will you do that, Daddy? And so I picked her up and put my arms under her little bottom and we walked out until we was out in that deep part. And she put her little arms around my neck and smiled at me and patted me on the back and we just stood there and let the water pick us up and put us down and pick us up and put us down. And then I saw a wave coming and I instinctively knew that it wasn't going to pick us up and put us down. I knew that that wave was going to come way over top of us. It scared me and I tried my best to get back to shore. But my legs were like lead and I couldn't get there. And finally I realized that that wave was going to come over us. And so I said to my little girl, sweetie, we're, we're going to go under the water. But I want you to hold on to daddy real tight. And I'm going to hold on to you real tight. So that huge wave come crashing over us. And I felt our bodies both hit the bottom of the ocean floor. And suddenly I felt my little girl's arms go limp. She couldn't hold on. Swallowing water. And I tightened my grip on her little body. I didn't want to lose her. And what seemed like an eternity, I came back to the top of the water. 
And I thought my little girl would be crying. She was spitting out water. And suddenly, she reached around and smiled and patted me on the back. She says, Daddy, Daddy, you're such a good daddy. I said, Daddy, I couldn't hold on down there. I couldn't hold on. But Daddy, you held on real tight. You held on real tight. I want to tell you something. God is my Father. I have eternal life. And sometimes I'm against the bottom of the ocean and don't know how I'm going to survive. But my Father holds on real tight. Real tight. I'm secure. I know who he is. I know who I am. I have eternal life. Let me ask you. Do you know that you have eternal life? I'm not asking if you've been, if you've prayed some kind of prayer. I'm, I'm not asking if you've been baptized. But you have eternal life. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? You see, what I believe changes everything. It's changed everything about my life. It'll change everything about yours. Let's pray.